all of my clients, I monitor their sleep data through a ring called an aura ring. And I track their scores and I track their sleep data. The average entrepreneur is awake about 90 minutes a night. So you want to make an impact. You're thinking about starting a business, sharing your voice. How do women do it that handle motherhood, family, and still chase after those dreams? We'll listen each week as we dive into the stories of women who know. This is Call Me CEO. Welcome back, everyone, to Call Me CEO. This is your host, Camille Walker. And as you know, if you've been here before, I talk to moms who are building businesses that are changing lives and also sharing how they got started and how they manage it all as a busy mom. And today is about taking care of you, wellness, how you create rhythms within your life so that you're creating success. And a big part of that is sleeping. And I know, and you know, we've heard this, why sleep is so important, but I don't know that we really take the time to dig into the why because there are so many components to it. So I'm thrilled that we have an expert here today, Tanessa Shears, who is a sleep science coach and also the host of Becoming Limitless podcast. So she is a pro. She's going to show us what it's all about. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk about this. I feel like sleep is one of those topics that's like, Everyone thinks, you know, it's good enough. It's fine. I'm probably mm-hmm. got, I've probably got the hang of this. And it's like one of those topics I feel that's like not sexy on the surface. But <laughs> I, one thing I love is like, you'll leave this conversation as excited about it as I am. That I can guarantee. Ooh, and she's smiling big. If you can't see her like I can, this, <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. So tell us about you. Where do you live? Number of kids? How did you get into the world of sleep? Yeah. So I live in Vancouver, Canada. I have a 14 month old and a three and a half year old. So we're just in the new stages of, of being a mama here. Um, and how I got into sleep was honestly because I had a baby (laughs) and I was like, I remember very clearly I sat down. I was ready to write a newsletter. It was probably like six in the morning because that's what time I was up. And I had like a three month old baby on one of those, like my breast fend pillows that was supported Mm -hmm. on my desk. Mm -hmm. And I went to go write and I was like, I was so foggy. And I couldn't like, I couldn't come up with anything to say, you know, when you do that and you like type and then you delete, you type, you delete, you're like, this sounds weird. And it wasn't like we had chat GPT. We could just be like, clean this up. Please help this post. And I just remember being like, this is awful. I'm so foggy. I can't get over how much sleep has an effect on how our brain performs. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And it was at that point where I was like, I'd already been working with entrepreneurs for a while on like the fitness and the nutrition stuff. And I was like, I bet you these entrepreneurs I work with, I bet you their five, six hours of sleep are affecting them. Maybe not this bad, but I bet you it's affecting them. So I went and got, you know, certified as a sleep science coach. And when I started implementing this stuff, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I'm so productive. It's so much easier to stay awake. I don't get that energy crash midday. And then the really cool things started rolling in. Like, I finish work 
and I still have the energy to hang out with my kids. And I'm not just default crashing onto the couch, phone in hand, also scrolling Netflix because I just can't, I can't escape anymore how tired I'm feeling. And it was those moments of like, I took my kids to the park when I normally would have just sat on the couch. It's, I was able to, you know, fall asleep easily without ruminating about my business because I got done what I needed to during the day. It was those Mm. kind of results where I was like, this is so much bigger than just waking up well rested. It has impact on your business revenue, how you show up for your family, the kind of parent you are, and just how present you feel in your life. You're not just zoned out to your fatigue anymore. Like it is life-changing. I believe it. I think that that, you know, when you're in college and you are pulling late nights to study for a big test and you're still able to get up and function and you're fine. And because you're, you're independent and you can sleep and de- depend on yourself for how much sleep you get and you're younger. And then you become a mom and you realize, wait a minute, the sleep I get isn't always dependent on me. And I really have to create a solution for this. And it becomes a much, I know I'm a much better mom when I get the sleep I need, because when I don't, I have shorter patience. I don't feel as equipped to handle the surprises that come, you know, and there's a lot to unpack there with productivity and all the things we do. So I'm excited about this. Let's break it down. How do we start? Yeah. So the first place I love to start is like, it's going to sound so basic, but are you getting enough sleep? So when Mm -hmm. I was pregnant with my first daughter, I got a Fitbit because I was going to be the pregnant lady that did all the steps every day. Nobody warned me about the pelvic pain that was coming my way. So I was sidelined at about five months with Oh, it was just terrible. Um, and, but I was like, well, what else does this Fitbit do? And I was like scrolling through the features and I was like, why is it saying I'm getting six and a half hours sleep per night? I get eight hours of sleep. I go to bed at 11 and I wake up at seven. That's eight hours. That's math. But I, this whole world opened up to me that I did not realize that you are not sleeping the entire time you think you're sleeping. And there's actually four different points that we are awake. Like it takes you time to fall asleep. There's all the times you wake up in the middle of the night that you don't, you are not aware of because you're cycling in and out of sleep cycles. There's the time that you know you're awake. You got to go to the bathroom. Your kids wake you up. The dog barks or the cat's playing, you know, hockey with something in the hall. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's that time that you're coming out of sleep. And the crazy thing is, is like with the work that I do, All of my clients, I monitor their sleep data through a ring called an aura ring. And I Mm -hmm. track their scores and I track their sleep data. The average entrepreneur is awake about 90 minutes a night. 90. Wow. So now we tell ourselves, most people don't even get the eight hours in bed. They get seven, seven and a half. If you're just the average entrepreneur and you take off an hour and a half, it's no wonder we're feeling tired. You're only getting six hours of sleep a night. And that was my first thing is I was like, holy moly sleep opportunity. I need to be giving myself opportunity to account for that awake time so that I can get over the hump of enough sleep. That was the first thing that I was like, Oh, this needs to change. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. And I, I have researched the aura ring. My sister has one and it's what I love about it is that you can wear it all the time and it doesn't buzz and beep. I think when I've worn like an Apple watch and tried to sleep in it, even if it's not like the notifications aren't going off, it still kind of bugs me. So I've been curious about that because I know she's loved hers. So it tracks your heart rate as well. And is it temperature? And what are all the things that it measures? Yeah, it tracks um, your temperature. It tracks your breathing rate. It tracks your resting heart rate. Um, It actually tracks a really cool variable. One of my favorites called your heart rate variability, Mm. which is a fancy word for it, it, it is able to 
gauge based on how far apart your heart rates, heartbeats are, how stressed your body is. So if you are having poor sleeps, if you're eating kind of funky, if you're going through a work stress, if you're up multiple nights with your kids because they're sick, like this variable tells me how easy to take it with my workouts, when to push for work, when to take an extra day off if I need. So on top of that, of course, it's giving you how long you're asleep. But more importantly, it's telling you what kind of quality sleep we're getting because there's stuff that happens during the sleep that affects your brain's ability to show up the next day. So it literally paints an entire picture for how you are recovering. Whereas these watches, I call them activity trackers. Mm -hmm. The ring is a recovery tracker, sleep recovery, and your body's state, whether it's in fight or flight or rest and digest. Hmm, That makes sense. So Mm -hmm. assuming for people who don't have the ring, is there another way for us to get an idea of the kind of sleep we're getting? Or do we just, is there a way to best guess? I mean, what do you do if you don't have the ring? So if you don't have the ring, I mean, there are other watches that will give you a rough idea, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing. Like, are you able to fall asleep within 15 minutes? Are you waking up? And if you do wake up in the night, can you fall back asleep within five to 10 minutes? Are you waking up in fight or fright adrenaline reviewing your to-do list? Are you tired when you wake up? Do you have a mid-afternoon crash? If any of these you're going, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Those are subjective indicators because I always like being able to wake up. And it's not that you want to spring out of bed with like energizer buddy energy, but you're just really thinking like, okay, am I able to get into my day without needing three cups of coffee, a two-hour meditation journaling routine to get me like, does my brain work in the morning? simple question. And if it's not, there's probably some simple optimization that you can put in there. Okay. I like it. I think that that's a really practical set of questions that we can ask and see how we measure up. And I, I know from experience that depending on if I have a big launch coming up or if I'm trying to make a decision about something or, you know, the state of my family or my business that will affect my sleep for sure. Where I'm like, Oh no, I need to listen to something as I'm falling asleep right now. Cause my mind is so busy. I need to like tune out and listen to something else. So let's get into the tools of what, what do we do? What are the tools if we need help with that? Yeah. So let's break it into three parts. Let's break it into what happens before you go to sleep, during sleep, and things you can do in the morning. So I always like to think of it like this, like your brain is always receiving information. So ideally in that time before bed, we want to be cueing our brain to slow down those brain waves, to wind down. Because like you said, if you're going into a launch, if you've got family stuff going on, if your brain is like going through your to-do list, thinking about ideas, also checking email, one more swipe on Instagram while watching TV, trying to have some downtime at the same time, we can totally, it totally makes sense why our sleep doesn't feel restorative, right? Our brain is not geared down for that. So I like to use potent um, cues like light, like light is one of the most potent sources of information. So think about this, take back all this indoor electricity we have, and we just lived by the light of the sun. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens at the end of the day? The sun gets low in the sky, gets nice and dim, maybe some oranges and some reds, right? That tells our brain, hey, it's probably time to start winding down, which is slow everything down and have a good night's sleep, right? But what we do is we take all this time to stare into our screens and yeah. that light literally tells your brain, stay alert. It's one in the afternoon. Don't wind down. Don't quiet the conversation. Don't produce melatonin. Stay alert. And then we wonder why we struggle with feeling well rested in the morning, right? Yes. So I like to do something called, I, I like to think of it like 
how can you make a sunset in your house? So Mm. how can you dim the lights? So those bright overhead pot lights we have on in our living rooms and our kitchens, how can we turn those off and make the lights dimmer? Maybe it's a dimmer switch. Maybe we switch to some lower table lamps, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing I really like to do in my bedroom is we have two bedside table lamps, one on each side. One is a regular light bulb and one is a red light bulb. And the red coloring is very much like the sunset. It tells our brain, hey, it's wind down time. Let's go. And so we flip that on in the hour before bed and we try to create pinks and oranges and reds and deep yellow lights Mm -hmm. as part of cueing our brain. And this stuff not only works for us, it works for your kids. If you find your kids Ah. are jumping off the wall, Mm -hmm. maybe we look at what type of information we're feeding our brain and light is one of those really good sources. Oh, I believe that a hundred percent. I, I actually have a light sensitivity that I inherited from my mother and it got worse after COVID. My eyes are so sensitive mm. than they were before. And I noticed that as the day goes on, I have to turn the lights down, like dim the lights. And I got some of my best sleep when we were staying in Mexico over spring break, because I was living by the light outside. I wasn't setting an alarm. I wasn't looking at my screens as much. And I was waking that cadence of waking up with the sun and going to sleep with the moon was so much more natural. And it was so Mm. good for my health. The same thing. I was like, I need to pay attention to light. So I love that you brought that up. I hadn't heard of getting a a light like that, a red light. I I have lit candles at night to kind of create an ambiance that would mimic that somehow. But that's a really good idea with with the colored light. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Well, and there's another, there's a couple other solutions that we can look at too. I always think of like good, better, best. Best Mm -hmm. is always going to be removing the screens. Is that possible? Especially if you're running a business in those hours after your kids go to bed, maybe not always. So one of the things that I actually invested in is um, we've all heard of blue light blocking glasses, right? But when you look at them, most of the time they're like clear. Well, here's a funny thing. If you can see the color blue through these glasses, they're not blue blocking. Mm-hmm. There are maybe 10%. So I've actually invested in glasses that have red lenses in them. Mm-hmm. And these I will wear in the evening, especially like, you know, if I want to, if I do want to check my phone or something like that, then I have these on and they also have that same effect. And so like, that is what I call like the better strategy, but the good strategy, one other than that is a simple thing. Like all of our phones can filter out blue light. You can put them in grayscale mode. You can remove blue light. There's blue light filters or night shift modes built into this. Put it on your computers, put it on your TVs and stuff like that. It's kind of one of those set it and forget it things that there's, I mean, so many options we could do. If you just look at like, what's one small improvement I could do to help me sleep a little bit better. Those are some places I could start. Smart. So I have bought glasses to help with nighttime but the lenses are yellow and my mom has lenses that are red. And I'm like, oh shoot, I should have gotten the red lenses. And she'll even bring them into like the movie theater or anywhere that there's like bright artificial light. Uh, And that could be an extreme option for some people, but especially at night as the lights start to affect us more, I think that's really smart. Where do you like to buy the red lens glasses? Do you go to Amazon or do you do something more official so that it's like a higher quality lens. So we go better best again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tried Amazon ones and they're good. They'll do the job for the most part. And they're probably in the $25 range. There's a company that I've purchased a pair from called True Dark. 
Um, and I have tested these by holding these up in front of blue lights. And that's how mm. I say good, better, best. It's how okay. much blue light they let through. The True Dark ones, they're pretty good, but there's um, they're more expensive, but they're by a company called Raw RA Optics. And there's no blue light getting through those. And those are like gangbusters. I put those on and I'm yawning within 20 minutes. I have fallen <laughs> asleep, like laying against the headboard, talking to my husband. And I'm just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And falling asleep because they just create such a, a warm drowsiness, which is sometimes mm. nice when your brain is really activated from the day or like you, like the examples you said, I'm in a launch. I've got family stuff going on. Yeah. Sometimes it's just nice to have an external thing helping you calm your brain down. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll check those out and add the links below. So we've done the pre-sleep. Is there anything else, bedtime routine or anything that you include with that as well? Yeah. Well, let's blend during and before together. So one of the simple things that you can do that will make a giant shift is be mindful of the temperature of the room that you sleep in. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the best things that destroys quality of sleep is sleeping in a room too warm. So the ideal sleeping temperature lies somewhere between 65 and 68 Fahrenheit or about 18 Celsius at night. Mm -hmm. Now, this for a lot of when I tell some of my clients this, they're like, what? That's so cold. And it might not feel it in the summer, but it does make a substantial impact. So really setting up that environment to be nice and cool is something that will improve actually the quality of your sleep. And we talked about that heart rate variability score, the one that measures um, stress on your body mm-hmm. that improves in a colder room. So all of these are really good things. And the other thing I would say, if we're talking bedroom is like, how dark is your room? So I do something called the hand test. I put right at, right when I go to bed and right when I wake up in the morning, if you put your hand about six inches in front of your face, if you can see it, it's too bright. So if that means you need to put some stickers on some lights, or if you need to um, get a better pair of curtains, this is something that has such a dramatic effect on specifically REM sleep. Now, you know, we talked about the different types of quality of sleep. Mm -hmm. REM sleep is dreaming. And while there are other stages that are also important, I call REM entrepreneurial gold. Like this is the stuff (laughs) that like makes us entrepreneurs. Because if you think about what that does to our brain, it helps us with problem solving. What is the point of a business? To solve problems. The more creative you are with solving problems and the better you are at it, the more successful your business, right? Mm -hmm. It also helps you think out of the box. Another thing that is very helpful as an entrepreneur, right? It helps you read facial expressions and body gestures. So I'm working with a client. I'm explaining something. I can see them leaning back. I'm like, "Uh oh, this isn't connecting. Let's try explaining this a different way. Or if I'm like, I want my, my subconscious brain is watching for engagement cues. Does this make sense? Should I re-explain this? So whether you have a team, whether you have um, a client, whether you're a parent, you want to be knowing like, is what I'm saying getting through? Mm -hmm. Am I picking up on that? And then lastly, of course, something you identified right at the beginning of the podcast is, am I able to manage my emotions? If you're lacking on REM sleep, this is where you wake up on those mornings feeling like irritated, snippy. You're not very nice. You're not a pleasure to be around. That is something that emotional stability is so helpful as an entrepreneur, because if you get a troll on Instagram or someone that has something not nice to say, I don't want to be spinning out and, you know, what, what is wrong with me? What did I say? Like, why are they offended trying to problem solve? Like, I don't want to go into that emotional place. I want to be able to respond with integrity be able to manage that stress and carry on with the day. Like I can't afford to lose days due to spinning out because of a comment I saw. So that REM sleep to me, is like, we protect that at all costs. So if you can see your hand in the morning when you wake up, 
and you care about any of those things, go get some blackout blinds. <laughs> oh yeah. Or a really nice eye mask. I have one I can link below yes. that is amazing. I'm and I have little tiny windows. I have two small windows and then a bigger window in my room, which would be harder to get mm-hmm. curtains for those smaller ones. So for me, an eye mask has been really helpful because I can take it with me. And there is, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but I have been watching it like a hawk. So I'm curious if you know, but there's something called like a sleep. It's a sleep halo pillow. Are you familiar with this? No. What is this? Oh, well, you need to know because it'll help your people. I just found out about it recently. I'm going to double check the, this name real quick to make sure that I'm saying it right, but it sells out really fast and I've been waiting and watching, but, oh, I said it wrong. It's a sleep crown. A sleep crown. Okay. Yes. It is a pillow you wear on your face and it's slightly weighted, slightly weighted. It was made by a yoga instructor for uh, restorative sleep. And Mm -hmm. it actually is cut out so that your nose and your mouth are out of the pillow, but the pillow kind of like wraps around your face and you can use it as a back or a side sleeper. And it, my friends that have it swear by it, that it's like a miracle. You can travel with it. It's just a wonderful pillow. It's pricey. It's like $150. So I can see it here. It's literally like a, a mat. It's like a, that's like a pillow that would be in place of a sleep mask. I can yes. see this here. I love all of this. I've been testing out a sleep mask recently that has a pressure point here, which is supposed to help with stress and anxiety. Uh-huh. So if I wake up in the middle of the night, I push on it. Uh huh. And it, I, I mean, I've been experimenting. Who knows if it's placebo or not, but it feels like it's working. So I love stuff like this. I've heard of weighted sleep masks too. Like there's yeah. so many cool little things that you can do that don't require a ton of habit change mm-hmm. to have good sleep. And this is one of those. This is a really cool thing. I've been Googling it while you were- Hey, cool. Yeah, check it out. It's it's a really cool pillow. And I I would love to get one for all of my children. Well, maybe not the, they're old enough now. There's not suffocation ish, like issues, but- um, just like a weighted blanket is supposed to help with like, if you're having, you know, if it kind of gives you that feeling of being embraced in a nice mm-hmm. way, like a little mm-hmm. bit of weight to it, almost like a weighted blanket would be. Um, but anyway, I've been watching that. So another option. Got it. I have noted this. I'm going to research it now. I love it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay. So we did the pre-sleep. We're getting, now we've checked for our hand. Is it too light? Mm-hmm. Now what? Now we're sleeping. Yes. So okay. the, what what we kind of talked about is during the night, we want to make sure it's nice and cool. We want to make sure it's nice and dark. We want to make sure it's quiet. So it's interesting. Like if you've ever, if you ever used sound machines for your kids, oh, yeah. like white noise. Yeah, uh-huh. me too. Yeah. Me too. Like one of my things is like, I have to have my white noise because if you're in an environment at all where you've got loud pets or you have a husband that snores like mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. If I wake up in the middle of the night and he's snoring, I find it very troubling to get back to sleep because I can't yes. like pull. So I find that one of the things that the sound machine does, and I play it low. I mean, I've got kids. I still want to hear them, but I play it yeah. low enough so that any noises that occur in my house don't come out of the silence. Right. And I find that that is extra helpful. So I do that. Um, or like if I'm traveling, I'll bring earplugs and stuff like that. So really looking at it from a like the sound perspective, the light perspective, and also looking at it from the temperature perspective. So now if we shift into the morning, one of the best things that we can do, and it's not always doable. However, if we can wake up without an alarm clock, 
Mm-hmm. That is going to be one of your best starts to the days. Because if you think about this, like humans are the only species that artificially terminate sleep. It's very odd. Like no, you don't see deers being like, oh, it's six. Let's go. They get <laughs> enough sleep and yeah. then they wake up, right? Yeah. But yeah. sometimes we have to do that, whether it's getting kids to school or we want to get an early start on the day. So in order to make this a reality, what that's going to mean is a consistent regular bedtime because we have a built-in clock called your circadian rhythm. And this Mm -hmm. clock tells us when certain hormones should go up, breathing rates, heart rates, all of this kind of stuff. And it's beautifully optimized to our genetics. So by constantly shifting this bedtime around and your wake-up time around, you're working against your biological clock and you're giving yourself that feeling. It's called social jet lag. It's when you use your social schedule, like if you stay up late with friends or you watch TV or maybe you you get up early to go to a meeting. That constant fluctuation is giving us the literal experience of jet lag because we are shifting the times our brain is used to sleeping and we're experiencing that fogginess and it can take up to an hour for every, um, it can take up to one day for every hour you shift your bedtime for your brain to recover. Hmm. So if you think about it, like, let's say you spent the weekend and you were up on Friday night and Saturday night till one, and then you go back to 10, it's going to take you three full days till you get your full cognitive function back. Well, now we're at Wednesday or Thursday and we're just ready to repeat that again. And this is why we kind of feel like we're stuck in that cycle. So by regulating your bedtime as best we can, obviously life happens sometimes, then we're able to start waking up at a consistent time because our body has gotten enough sleep and it knows our hormones are optimized to wake us up at the same time. And because of that, you're less likely to interrupt REM sleep or deep sleep when your alarm goes off, right? Because your alarm doesn't care what phase you're sleep you're in. And if you wake up during REM or deep, you're going to feel foggy. It's going to take anywhere from 30 minutes to four hours to get your brain back on board. Mm-hmm. So remember that question we asked is like, how long does it take your brain to work? If you're using an alarm clock, this might be contributing to that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that would be, I think, one of the big ones is looking at, are we able to be consistent enough with our rhythm that we can just wake up at a consistent time as often as possible, even on the weekends? <laughs> Yeah, that is a really good point. And I think that that's something that we do to ourselves without meaning to where we're at night. We're Mm -hmm. like, but now it's my time, you know, now I get to read that book or watch that show or whatever that is. And I think that really does take discipline to realize Mm -hmm. that, yeah, you can do that, but you, and we all know this, you pay, you pay the fee (laughs) like you're, and sometimes it's worth it. And sometimes it's not, but I like the idea of keeping it as consistent as possible Mm -hmm. So that you can, I remember my grandfather, and this is a really old, like one of the oldest memories I have actually of him telling me that we all have an alarm clock within our bodies. And he said, you can decide to the minute what time you want to wake up. If you tell your body, that's the time you want to wake up. And I remember thinking, this is the most incredible magic I've ever heard of. And I really did. I practiced it as a kid and I thought, okay. I want to wake up. I don't know what time it was, 837, you know, or whatever the thing. And I, I believe in the power of the mind and the power of us being able to be at one with our body if we are in tune enough that way. And I did, I got to a point where I was waking up to the minute of the -hmm. time that I wanted to wake up. And I think there's a lot of power in that. But of course, as you say, we have to start with giving a foundation of going to bed on time. So I think that's really cool to pay attention to that and, and think for the best, most optimal situation, what would that look like? What time would I need to go to bed? And in your experience with helping people through this, what time 
do you typically suggest people are preparing for bed and are actually sleeping? Yeah. So that'll depend on something called your chronotype. So we all have this specific gene and the length of it determines whether you have an early morning or a late morning preference for wake up. So that is very genetic. The consistency is more important. I have a client and um, the aura ring actually does suggest based on your heart rate, your breathing, um, your breathing rate, your body temperature and your activity levels during the day when your best um, sleep opportunity window is. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, mine is 830 until five in the morning. And so I follow that seven days a week and I feel great. My clients, 1205 to 805. He feels really? great. So it's not about that there's a right or a wrong. It's about experimenting and finding out what I think most people know if they're inherently an early, like when they like to go to sleep around nine, I'd like to go to sleep around 11. Mm-hmm. I think we inherently know that, but I wanted to speak to something that you had mentioned when we were talking um, just about that me time in the evening, being a barrier for going to bed on time. This yeah, is let's something dig into it. <laughs> yeah. So there there's, there's two things that I really like to think on here. Number one is if we look at that me time that we have. And most of us put the kids to sleep and then it's like, it's like two or three hours. Let's say the kids go to bed at eight and you have until 11, right? And most of the time with the clients that I've worked with, if they're not jumping back into their businesses, they will like watch Netflix episodes and they'll just kind of watch TV and hang out. And there is nothing wrong with Netflix. However, I've asked my clients and th- these are the people that are always like, I just don't want to go to bed any earlier because I need that me time and it, I just don't ever have enough of it. Mm-hmm. And I love to ask them, I'm like, okay, what is it that you want to get out of your me time? Like, what is the feeling that you're after? And I've had clients say things like, I want to feel calm, recharged, at peace, uh, slowed down, all of these things that we associate with me time. Mm-hmm. And I say, all right. What are you doing during your me time? And I had a client just last week and she's like, I've watched like three episodes of Netflix. I was like, cool. But is that giving you recharged? Is that giving you calm? Is that giving you like when you get up from Netflix, do you feel the way you want to feel? And for her, the answer was no. And for many of my clients, it is. Now, this is not to say Netflix should never be watched. What I like to do is invite What if you feel like you need so much of that me time because you never actually get what you want out of it? Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, well, what do I do if I don't watch Netflix? It's maybe it's maybe I watch Netflix, but I also insert some time towards something that makes me feel the way I want to feel. So one of the things I was working on with her was, okay, she had three hours. She watched two hours of Netflix, but then she got off the couch and went and read. And she loves reading. It's something that made her feel at home. It connected her to her childhood. She just felt like she could just enjoy and relax. And so just by swapping out those little bits, she was starting to feel like she was doing things that filled her up and weren't just an escape. So it's not about eliminating it. It's about if we're not getting what you want out of it, how can you start reintroducing some of the things that actually give you what you're after? Then you don't feel like you need all this extra time because you're getting what you need. Yeah. No, I believe in that 100%. I think that we sometimes even forget what those restful or restorative things could be because we're out of practice of it and clicking at swiping through the phone, like scrolling or turning on Netflix is so easy and brainless that I think sometimes we stop to think, oh, but is this actually what I want? Or is this Mm -hmm. actually what I crave in like Mm -hmm. remembering who I am and what I enjoy and connecting with, with, with myself? 
So I think that's really a good point of helping, you know, asking those questions to yourself. What is it that would help me to discover the pieces of myself that I want to fill up and I I want to remember? Well, I think, I think we can all identify the difference between when we're choosing the escape versus defaulting to it. Because mm-hmm. there are definitely some days where I'm like, I just want to sit down and I want to watch Housewives and I want to like watch all their drama. Like I know yes. those days, yeah. but I'm very aware of when I'm defaulting it because that's all I have the energy for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's just oh, like, totally. I'm watching Netflix because I don't have the energy to read. Whereas I know reading would help restore me. So just really watching for those fine distinctions there really help you just bring awareness. And then you get to choose if that's something you want to do differently or not. Like there's no wrong way to do it. Just how do you want to feel? And are you achieving that? Yeah. Ooh, I love that. So good. So reflective. And as you're listening to this right now, I want you to think about what is it that's coming up for you? Because there could be something that you're thinking, oh, that really... I miss reading or I miss going for a walk or I miss having a chat with a dear friend or journaling, or, I mean, there's so many different things crocheting, maybe you're talented and creative and those could be things that you want to work on. So I think that that's a good reminder for us to really tap into that space of how, how are we using that time? And is it really restoring us? Yeah, absolutely. Like there's just, I think that we, we, I feel like, especially as moms and as entrepreneurs, like the two combined, especially yes, we look around at all the other entrepreneurs we know and the moms we know, and everyone is just tired. And so we just accept that that must just be normal for me too. And one of the questions I always love to ask is like, do you want it to be normal for you? Like, what would you do if you woke up and were, had the brain power and the energy to start your day at the time you actually wanted instead of the time you needed to wake up because you stayed up late last night doing something that didn't actually fulfill you. Like what would your business look like if you were clear and if you could get through everything without feeling distracted all the time? Like how much more time could you create in your day because your brain stayed on track? Like what if you, what if you had six hours and it took you now five to get the same amount of stuff done? What would you do with that hour? Because you could, spend it with your kids. You could do something more fun in your business. You could go and get another client, make more money. You could use that hour to do the exercise plan that you haven't gotten started on, but you really wanted to like, just think it's like sleep is not something that is stealing productivity from you because you have to shut down earlier. It's creating productivity in the following day. What if sleep Mm. was how you created your time? And not only that, the time that you do have, you feel better doing it. Like what would your life feel like if you weren't tired at four o'clock every day? Imagine what you'd be like as a mom or a parent. Like, Ooh, I like that. I love the idea I, yeah. of creating the productivity for the next day where it's like, mm-hmm. if you are waking up earlier and feeling rested and restored, that time could be used so much more efficiently, mm-hmm. which taking this with a grain of salt for all of you who are in a situation where you're caretaking for someone else and you have a baby or there's a toddler in your bed or whatever the situation is. I think we go through different phases of life where we're more available to like choose that for ourselves or not. But wow, I really like that. That's so that takes me to a question for you balancing business and motherhood, because that's Mm -hmm. something we talk about on this show. What are some extra tools or resources or things that you do to help you create a better balance? 
Yeah. Well, this actually ties beautifully and speaks to what you just said about the parents that may not be in the phase of life to choose the most restorative sleep. This actually answers the question you just had about balancing as well. Mm. One of the decisions I decided to make and keep in mind, I've got a 14 month old. I'm not too far out of it. And I had a three and a half year old, but one of the things that I decided is that sure, my sleep is going to be fragmented and I can't control when I'm woken up at night. I cannot control when kids get sick, when the baby's crying, but what I can control is the quality of the sleep I do get. Mm. So if it's going to be two hours awake, three hours awake, five hours or whatever it might be, I'm going to make those the best cumulative seven and a half hours that I can (laughs) get by taking care of myself the best I can. And so that was, I think, a shift that going into business with motherhood and what, because one of the, I, I had coaching on this. I was 26 weeks pregnant with my first and I was like, my business is going to fall apart. There's no way I don't function on the sleep. Like, how am I going to, like, how am I going to have a successful business? How am I going to see clients with that unpredictable nap schedule? Like, this is not figureoutable. And she said something to me. She goes, Tanessa, why would you delegate the success of your business to your baby? Mm. She goes, if you choose to not show up and do the posting or not do your podcast or stuff, that's okay. But that is a choice. But to put your business's weight and success on your baby will only make you resent your baby. Mm. So how can you love that baby and also love yourself and knowing that this is a season where I can't choose it all? I've put my podcast on pause twice. It's fine. It's still successful. It actually had more downloads when I wasn't producing episodes. You know what I mean? But I think it's really looking at that. Like, how can I take responsibility for my choices and not have my kids be the reason that I can't do that. Right. And I think like, I always, I'm a really big fan of thinking like, I would never want my kids to grow up thinking they were the reason I was unhappy or anything like that. And that might be a little bit of a controversial take, but one of the things is I've taken ownership. And even if I don't feel that great about the decisions I have to make, I had to put the podcast on pause. I dropped my posting down to once a week. I chose that for them, not because of them. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think that that's, I've always been a big proponent of the, the concept of, and that, you know, you Mm. can still build and run a successful business and be an amazing engaged mother. Mm -hmm. However, you get to choose what the cadence and what the time period is of that stage of motherhood, because I'm 15 years in and I've been doing this for a long time. And it's ebbed and flowed every single year where, you know, whether I'm nursing or pregnant or have a a small child or even a teenager that needs me at one period of time more than the other, it doesn't mean that it had to be all or nothing. I just was able and thank goodness that I have my own business and I'm able to do that. But I did choose to take time to take a step back. And that's such a beautiful opportunity to have and to also recognize that our children aren't choosing for us. Like we really, like you said, we have the ownership of making those choices and what does it look like? And, and what does that mean for the time and the ability that I have to give to them? And I think that that is really beautiful. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think it's wonderful that we go through times of motherhood that are more easy breezy and other times that are hard because that's life, you know? And Mm so I love this idea of that you shared of taking ownership for that, because once you do that, 
it enables you to really be in the driver's seat and to create a relationship more than a caretaking role where you resent it. I actually just did a podcast episode with someone that just went live last week where we talked about the role of a mother versus the role of a caregiver and how we need to separate the two and think of them differently in the way that, you know, there are going to be times that you feel really overwhelmed and say, I need a, I need a break from caretaking. I need a minute for myself. I need help. But that doesn't mean that that is a separation from the quality of who you are as a mother and the way that you feel about your kids. Of course you love them. And so I think that there's real beauty in that and in recognizing what we have to get pouring into our cup, looking at our limitations and how we're taking care of ourselves so we can show up and be an amazing mother and still have time to create choice and progress for ourselves. I love that distinction you just made between the caregiver and the mother. And I think with that comes the grace to allow that separation, right? I think one of the, actually the things that what I have learned and implemented that has helped a ton is I've started putting something called sliding blocks into my schedule where there are blocks that are intentionally left empty. Like I put them in there, like they're a task, but they're empty because Mm -hmm. invariably something happens at all times. Something I'm going to have to start late one day, take off early, go run a doctor's appointment in the middle of what would have been my work blocks. But it gives me so much freedom in never thinking I'm behind. Because I've left enough space to move those tasks that got bumped in. And if the week goes beautifully, great. I can pull out a next week or I can take the afternoon off. But I think that idea of just creating that, like building in the grace that will likely be needed more times than not. So I'm not sitting there going, oh, I'm behind. I needed to get this done. I now have to work at 10 p.m., right? And it kind of plays beautifully in what we talked about is this lets you turn your brain off so that you can go to sleep. You are always caught up. And that's a thought that doesn't necessarily have to be a fact. Mm. A thought I'm, I'm caught up and I've done exactly as much as I needed to get done today. Yeah. I love that thought. And I've heard, I've heard a concept follow up with that thought of, I got everything I needed to get done today. And the actual fact that it didn't happen today means that it was meant for tomorrow. It didn't get done today. It's not meant for today. And I think there's nothing that can't wait till Monday. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. I've loved talking about this with you and everything that you're doing to help people. Please tell our audience where they can find you online. Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram. I'm at Tanessa Shears. I post on there all the time. So definitely come over and say hi there. Um, But I have a, I, I like to think of it as I've gathered my 12, I call them the biohacks. So they're the things that we can do that will affect our energy and our focus and our productivity. And I've put them together into a guidebook and it's called 12 ways to biohack your energy. And it's to help really get that kickstart in the morning, get that clarity of thinking. And that's on my website at tanessashears.com. You could just, there's a freebies tab at the top. And that's a really good resource to get started on. If you're just like, which ones are the most potent? <laughs> How can I get started there? How that's can the I place start? Yes. Those little steps. I love it. Tanessa, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey, CEOs. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, please let me know in a comment and a five-star review you could have the chance of being a featured review on an upcoming episode. Continue the conversation on Instagram at Call Me CEO Podcast. And remember, you are the boss.